Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast, episode number 26. I'm your host, Jennifer Jelliff Russell. On today's show, I interview Sandy Go Lincoln about how she started her career consulting service, Raising the Bar, and what draws her to working with college students and recent graduates. In my personal update, I'll talk about why I'm loving the book, 100 Side Hustles by Chris Gillibo, right? All right, let's get to my personal update. This week, listeners, I am loving the book 100 Side Hustles, Unexpected Ideas for Making Extra Money Without Quitting Your Day Job, and it's by Chris Gillibo. So the first time that I actually heard of Chris Gillibo was when I picked up his one of his first books. I think it might actually be his first book, The Art of Nonconformity, and I was immediately hooked. I've actually bought that book a couple of times now because I always end up giving it away to people that I think that it will help. While that book focuses on helping you like break away from conforming to society's standards or norms and instead identifying employment that will make you feel the most fulfilled, the book I read this week was a bit different. This book that I read this week, the 100 Side Hustles book, it features a variety of different side businesses that people created while still maintaining other employment. Some of the side hustles started out as hobbies that made the owners some extra dough throughout the year, and other side hustles have actually turned into full-time roles that can fully support the business owner. So I liked that the book was sectioned by the type of side hustle. Um, So there was a section on creating new food products, one on craft or art-related businesses, one on building a business around sharing knowledge or instructing in something, and there's several other sections. I think it was just really cool to look at so many different ideas that are out there and how each one of the business owners took their ideas and ran with them, right? It definitely has that go-find-out aspect of taking those first steps and seeing if a business works. Reading the 100 Side Hustles book, it honestly helped me to feel more confident in continuing my effort to build out my other business, Evergrowth Coach, with, you know, more books and courses, as well as like free videos providing information on the different aspects of the job search process. Though I've mostly stepped away from the individual resume writing process, I still really enjoy providing helpful information to job seekers. So that's that's kind of what I'm focusing on at the moment. And so just to kind of a quick update on that, um, I've mostly finished my next Evergrowth coach book, The Introverted Job Seeker, and I'm planning on making it kind of part of an overall employment coaching series. The next one in the series that I'm working on actually now during NaNoWriMo, it doesn't yet have a title, but it will center on finding, applying, and interviewing for online or virtual employment. You know, even before COVID and after COVID, people are still going to be looking for opportunities where they're able to work remotely or virtually. Uh, And I really want to make sure that I provide some sort of guidance or instruction for folks who are seeking that type of employment. I am also right now really enjoying the short stories for kids that I'm writing. Um, Again, part is NaNoWriMo or the National Novel Writing Month. I think I've mentioned before that instead of scary holiday stories, uh, which was really hard for me (laughs) to come up with scary things that were still like age appropriate for kids and not to scare them away from like holidays. Um, So instead, I'm focusing on one, at least one story around Christmas and the rest of the stories will be 
be magical holiday stories. So it'll be a happy story around Christmas that's magical instead of a scary story. And again, all the rest of the stories in that particular book will also be, you know, short stories that have some sort of magical aspect to them. They're honestly, they're a really nice break from writing nonfiction. And to be honest, it's kind of an interesting challenge to write for kids because you do have to shift your vocabulary just a little bit to make things a little bit easier. But you also want them to be challenged in their reading and have a few words here and there that maybe they have to look up. So that's where I'm at this week, guys. Um, If you are thinking about starting a side hustle or a side business, definitely check out that book, 100 Side Hustles. And if you'd like to try your hand at writing, it's not too late to sign up for NaNoWriMo or National Novel Writing Month, guys. All right, before we move on to the interview with Sandy, I should definitely mention that she does live in New York City. So there is some background street noise that I couldn't really cut out. Otherwise, I would risk cutting out some of her words. Um, so, But I just wanted to let you guys know that there's some fun New York City noise. So you can just close your eyes and imagine that you're visiting the city if you don't currently live there and enjoy the ambiance. All right, on to the interview with Sandy. <laughs> On today's show, I'll be speaking with Sandy Golinkin, who has been a VP and publisher at several major magazines, including Travel and Leisure and Allure. She was also selected to spearhead the launch of both Departures and Lucky Magazines. In today's interview, we're going to be focusing on how Sandy started the organization Raising the Bar, where she offers one-on-one consultations, mentoring, and online classes aimed at helping job seekers of all ages identify the right career for them and land that coveted position. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I am absolutely delighted to be joining you today. It's a beautiful day in New York, so it's all good here. Perfect. Well, I I gave a little bit of information about you, but can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Yes, I will tell you that. um, I'll tell you a couple of things. First of all, call me crazy, but I really love to work. (laughs) So I'm very proud of the career I've had. And I'm I'm just a person who likes to work. It, It distracts me in wonderful ways. But the other thing I would share with you is I feel very blessed because I have 19 godchildren. Oh, wow. (laughs) And they're all ages and all personalities, and they are a wonderful, wonderful group. So I'm very honored to have my godchildren in my life. And I'm a big fan of dogs, particularly puppies, and I I love watching dogs play with each other. Um, I'm a big reader. I, I like fiction and nonfiction, but I really love to read. And I love to walk. I live near Central Park in New York City, and very, very happy to have such a beautiful place to walk in that's nearby that makes me feel like maybe I'm not in New York. <laughs> nice. So that's that's a little bit about me. So now your organization, Raising the Bar, in its current iteration, it's focused on helping people, like I said earlier, of all ages and all backgrounds to connect with the right career. But now it started out differently, right? It did. Can you tell me a little bit about what Raising the Bar started out as initially and kind of also what sparked your shift in client focus? Sure. One of the things that you should know about me that actually I should have shared when you asked me about myself, but I really adore spending time with younger people. And I always have, and I also like connecting people. What I used to do was at least once a month, I would organize a dinner of young people in New York. So maybe my friend's children had moved to New York, didn't know very many people. So I do a dinner to introduce them to other people. But I, I sort of collect young people from the ages of, I'd say, 18 to 30. And again, I love introducing them 
quite a while ago, after I was no longer working at Condé Nast, I was having dinner with a group of young people and we were talking about summer internships and jobs and career paths. And one of the gals brought up how very, very frustrated she and her family had been because her college, while giving her an exceptional academic education, did very little to help with regards to career services and direction Mm. for figuring out her best career path and also figuring out the tools and skills she needed to develop to get that career path. So we, we talked about this for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes that night. And the next day, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I thought there's an opportunity here to give college students the guidance, the mentoring that they need, and then also the connections and the tools that they need to get the job, to Mm. become the standout candidate. So I shared this with a couple of my friends, and one of them said to me, my my son just moved to New York. He's been 12 weeks. He hasn't found a job. Would you work with him? So that that was really how I identified the need that college students have to be able to have someone focus and mentor and coach them to a better result than they were getting previously. Mm. And that was really how Raising the Bar was born. The the focus was 100% on college students, young adults, recent graduates. I had one mom who called me up and she said, my son just started college. My son is not going to be a great student. I've, I've lived with him all my life. He's not a good student. So Sandy, I want to make sure that you are responsible for making sure he has very, very good internships every summer. So when he graduates from college with probably not a great GPA, it will be on his resume that he's had four very, very good, meaningful internships where he's developed good skills and tools. Mm. So I, I began right away working with college students and college grads who were finding themselves a bit adrift and or confused. Mm. What was really interesting was and delightful for me was I started to get emails from parents saying, do you really do this? And they said, you know, we we had no idea how to deal with our child's confusion. And if you really do this, we are very, very excited. So I realized relatively quickly that there was a notable need for this type of service. Yeah. And so when you very first were starting or maybe even thinking about starting raising the bar, what would you say that your major challenges were when getting that up and running? Probably getting the word out. I started off, let's say six months with five to eight clients, but you start to realize how do I market this? How do I let other people know that my services exist? Mm -hmm. And how do I also establish credibility and how do I raise the comfort level with parents who hear about me that I have the qualifications and the experience to do a good job with this company. And so when you began to think about starting Raising the Bar, were you still in the magazine industry or had you kind of already stepped away from that and were looking for something new? Interesting story. I worked for Condé Nast twice and Mm. I was fired twice. Oh no. The first time I worked for Condé Nast, I had been running a lure magazine for seven to eight years. A lure hit a rough patch. Mm. 
And long story short, Condé Nast always fires its business people before its editorial people. Mm. And so when Allure hit a rough patch, it was off with my head. Then about a year later, Condé Nast chairman called me up and said, we're serving humble pie for lunch tomorrow. Will you join us? <laughs> and I said, I would be delighted. And they said, you know, Sandy, we realized that the, the problems that your magazine was having were not a reflection on you. And we'd really like to have you back. And they hired me to launch Lucky Magazine. And that was, I'm very happy to share with you, an enormous success. Nice. It won every award. It was written up by the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post for its great success. So it was it was an awesome, awesome time. But then Lucky also hit a very rough patch um, as 08 was approaching and the mm. economy was suffering. Mm -hmm. And again, off with my head. Yeah. So Jennifer, what was really interesting was I thought, okay, I've had a very successful career so far. I've done very, very well at Condé Nast and other companies. I'm going to go find myself a new job. Oops. I was a woman over 50. I was also a woman who had done very, very well at a company that pays well. And so a lot of companies would say, you know what, we can't match the Condé Nast salary. Mm. But long story short, I simply was having a very, very difficult time finding a job. At one point, I thought I might have to leave New York and figure out something totally different. And then I had dinner with these young people. I'd done a lot of freelancing for a couple of years while I was looking for work. But this dinner with this group of of my friend's children was a major epiphany for me. And if that dinner hadn't happened, I'm not really sure where I would be right now. It was an incredible eye-opener because it made me realize that I could do something that I was already well-trained to do. Hmm. It wasn't something where I had to go and take a class. I'd been, quote-unquote, taking the class for the last 25 years. I had been hiring and training and developing young talent who worked with me at all of the magazines and websites I had been running. When you were kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this, did you have any fears about jumping in and starting Raising the Bar and kind of really making that split and stepping away from the magazine industry? No, I'm, I'm a relatively bold person and I, I love a good challenge. And I was just very, very excited to learn that there was a, a genuine need for college students to have, men, have a mentor or a coach who could, with great thoroughness, help them figure out their career path, help them deal with the stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I have one great advantage one mom said to me, she said, you know, Sandy, you're really good at this, but you're also not the parent. Mm, yes. And a lot of college students love and adore their parents, but they just don't want to take direction and advice from them. When you were first sharing, maybe with, with friends or friends from, from the magazine industry, that you were thinking about starting a business where you provide career coaching and consulting, did you have any like naysayers or people who were kind of like, what, wait, what are you going to do? No, it was, it was actually quite the opposite. 
parents were just bowled over that somebody with the level of experience I had had in the workplace with so many industries was going to be focusing this chapter of my professional life on helping their children. So I I honestly did not have naysayers. Hmm. And so I see that with Raising the Bar, you do offer some free services, but, you know, many of them are also paid. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of women struggle to move into really charging for their services when they see their industry as like a helping industry or a helping field. And I know I initially struggled with charging for my services after I used to provide free resume services to veterans for, you know, a traditional organization. And then when I started my own business, I definitely struggled to charge. You know, there was that sort of that feeling of guilt that, ah, oh, you know, these are veterans and I should be helping them for free. Or these are, you know, recent students who I should be helping for free. Did you ever encounter any kind of struggle with starting to charge for your services? Jennifer, I'm going to share with you that I had sort of the opposite. And, and I want to explain this, which is when I started my business, I didn't have a, I didn't even blink about charging for it. I felt it it made it seem more serious, more professional, more real if I was charging for it. So I day one started charging my clients and it was not inexpensive. My, My services are not inexpensive. But to your point, about two years into it, maybe three years, when I was becoming quite popular and quite quite coveted by many, many parents, literally across the country, I was working with families all over the United States, I was invited to be on Sirius Radio. Hmm. And I was on a couple of times. But what I noticed from the very beginning was that America listens to Sirius Radio. And I was having a lot of people reach out to me saying, I'm so excited about what you said. And I want to talk to you about my child. And these were a lot of people who couldn't afford my services. So I started to do a lot of work where I was charging them, I don't know, maybe one-tenth of my fee. And a friend of mine said, you are not handling this in a professional way and you need to rethink what you're doing. So I thought about it and it took me a couple of months. And then I realized, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this knowledge that I have and I'm going to put it into classes So I wrote five classes. I hired somebody to help me art direct them so they had a lot of zip and would be interesting for young adults. And I put those classes online so that people who really wanted their child to know how to prepare for an interview or know how to become a standout candidate or know how to write a cover letter could access my information, my knowledge, my recommendations without spending a lot of money. Mm. The classes were, they were less than $50. And then what I did during COVID last March was I, I declared that those classes were free for anyone in the United States. Oh, that's awesome. So I know you were asking if I felt guilty about charging. I didn't feel guilty at all in the beginning, but I definitely, in this very sobering year, wanted to make sure that what I have to offer was available to anyone and everyone who needed the information but couldn't afford it. Hmm. 
Mm. And to kind of go back to your point a little bit ago, I definitely found that those who I was charging for services, they absolutely were more likely to listen to the information that I gave them, right? And then actually follow it as opposed to when I worked for another organization where I was providing free services, they were not as likely to actually follow the recommendations that I gave them because it was free. Isn't that interesting? You're so spot on and it's, it's very true. And I'm not entirely sure why. Why it's true, but I guess it's the commitment, right? Of the money. Yes, it is the commitment. You're completely right. Yes. I find that important, especially for women to know when they are starting a business that you you should charge for your services. And like you said, you have so much experience that you're providing to your clients that they should be being charged. Yes, absolutely. It's, it gives, I believe it gives it credibility, authenticity, mm-hmm. d- definitely. And what I found interesting was a couple of years ago, I was very proud to have the New York Times write a piece about my being a career whisperer. And what was interesting was that to your point about how do people know about what one's doing, the Times piece actually helped me take my business to a different level. Hmm. Because there were many people who were not college students, women, men, 30s, 40s, 50s, who wanted career advice. Hmm. Some people wanted career advice about starting a company. Some people wanted career advice about switching careers, literally doing a pivot. And some people wanted career advice about how to get a promotion, how to articulate their value to their boss so they could get a good raise. So again, the uh, the stamp of endorsement from the New York Times was, was really instrumental in my being able to grow my business to a completely different level. And that was very rewarding. And now, do you feel that you have any like specific habits that have helped you to be successful in operating and managing Raising the Bar? Yes. Habits and lifestyle. The habit, I would say I'm very organized. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely empathetic, but I also believe in discipline. So some of my clients need an advocate and somebody to really support them and help them have the self-confidence to move forward. Mm-hmm. And some of my clients need a gentle kick in the butt. <laughs> yes. They, they, they need help with discipline and time management and goals. I have a client who's 50 years old and she really needs discipline in getting certain things done every week to help her achieve where she wants to go professionally. Mm. But also, Jennifer, this isn't a habit. This is just a reality about me. I'm not married and I don't have children. So I can work very long hours. Mm, Gotcha. Why why is that important? It's important because it means I'm always accessible for my clients. So I work from eight in the morning till eight at night. Oh my. But I also work seven days a week. So if you are hard at work, um, you know, you work for Uniglow or you work for FedEx or you work for Amazon and you want to switch jobs, I'm available on Saturday or Sunday to help you figure out how to do that. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't work every day, those 12 hours, seven days a week, because people don't need me that often. But I am very available. And I think it's, again, it's not a habit. It's a lifestyle that I believe contributes to my success is my availability 
So now you provide a career consultation and services for for a variety of clients. And I know we've been specifically really talking about college students, but you do provide, um, like you said a moment ago, you have a client who's 50 and is stepping into a different career. So you work with a variety of clients. What would you say sets your services apart from those services that might come from, let's say, like the Department of Labor's Job Center or American Job Center or a college career center? What I believe sets me apart and sets raising the bar apart really one and one and the same. First and foremost is the exceptional work experience I've had. I mean, I've started magazines and websites and I've I've had a lot of experience in the work world with many, many different industries. Mm. It's not often that somebody's had a lot of experience with beauty companies and financial companies and tech companies. And I've I've worked very, very closely with 20 to 30 different industries because you work at you work with different industries when you're working at Rolling Stone than you work with when you're at Travel and Leisure than you work with when you're at Bloomberg. So I've had a lot of boots on the ground experience with many, many companies, which has helped me to, to develop, to your point, why my services are different. I have exceptional connections and relationships. Hmm. So if, if I'm speaking to a group of students and they are all interested in journalism, I will talk to some of my contacts who are journalists before I talk to that specific class. I see. I, I believe that a lot of it has to do with my experience um, interfacing with these industries. I also think it has a lot to do with my experience in hiring, mentoring, and training over 500 people who used to work for me at American Express and Condé Nast and Bloomberg. But I also think it's the last thing is that I am very, very hardwired to want to help people and make things better. What would you say that you have found has been your most frequently given advice to recent college grads who are trying to land their first career-related position? I would say the best advice I would give college students is making a list of what they are good at and what interests them and what type of skills they have developed. You know, maybe it's a soft skill like being a good team player or being punctual, or maybe it's a hard skill like being very good with Excel or Adobe, but figuring out what they are good at, what they can contribute and how they add value to a specific internship or part-time, full-time job. Gotcha. The, the other thing, the classes I offer, they are all now 100% free. There's a resume class, a cover letter class, an interviewing class. And not only are they free, but I teach them live. So I, I take questions from the audience when they have confusion or concern that they want to have addressed. That's awesome. Okay. And what would you tell current college students who are looking at potentially graduating while there's still a pandemic going on? Great question. I'm, I'm glad you asked this because my best advice to college students there are two things. Number one is most people during COVID, not all, but most people during COVID have some unexpected hours in their life where they, they have a little bit more free time. And what I would suggest to college students is they consider developing a new skill or an accomplishment that will add value to them for their future employer. 
So what might add value? It might add value if you learn a second language. I mean, Spanish is enormously important. So maybe you learn a second language, or maybe you learn how to become conversational in coding. So when you're sitting in meetings and people are talking about coding, not that you need to be a coder, but that you understand what people are talking about. Maybe you are going to get a accreditation for social media. Mm-hmm. Maybe there, there are many things you can do with your unexpected COVID hours to represent yourself as somebody who is a can-do kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I would highly recommend that to college students. The other thing that I would recommend to college students is they start to figure out how to best articulate Again, what are their wow factors? What are their points of pride that they could contribute to a future employer? Do you have any suggestions for good habits that college students can adopt to be more successful in landing a coveted postgraduate role? I think one of the the most important things that students can do for landing a role is being well prepared. Mm. And if you go to an interview and you have spent an hour really gaining knowledge about the company, about their mission statement, about their competitors, about who runs the company. There's so many things that we all can learn about a company before we walk in the door. If you look at a company that's on social media, usually they're on social media because they are proud of certain things they are bringing to the market. How great if you know what they are. So I think one of the very best things college students can do is be well-prepared If you're well prepared when you walk into an interview or you sign on to Zoom interviews, you're more self-confident if, in fact, you are well prepared. Absolutely. And now I I see that you have also been working to support the Black Lives Matter movement this summer, which is awesome. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I was very, very moved by the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm in full support of it. And like many people, I, I wanted to contribute in a meaningful way. I feel that there are many people who are extremely articulate and speak very well about why this movement is so important and so critical. But what I wanted to contribute was to help people of diversity have, again, better tools to best develop their career path and to help them get jobs. So what I've been doing is teaching classes at various HBCUs, otherwise known as historic black colleges and universities. Hmm, Okay. But I've also been spending a lot of time posting on a site called hashtag hire black. And what I do on hire black is I tell everybody on hire black guys, I've got these five classes I teach every week. There's no charge. And if after the class, you have your own personal questions or confusion or issues, I'm happy to do a phone call with you as well. That's great. Yeah, I, I love to help. And I, if, if you're listening to this and you need help with your career, I, I, um, I want you to know I'm, I'm somebody who's very committed to wanting to make your life better. And where can we actually find out more about Raising the Bar and your services? 
My website is raisingthebar123.com, but I also wanted to give people a shortcut. So if they go to sandygo.com, Sandy spelled with a Y, sandygo.com will also take them to raisingthebar123.com. Okay, nice. And I'll make sure to drop the link into the show notes so that you can just go right to the link listeners and go check it out and check out Sandy's services. Any any social media that you want to share? Sure. I'm on Instagram, again, raising the bar one, two, three. And it's been very robust during COVID. So there's there's a lot about the many programs that I've been doing, most of which are at no charge. Nice. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Sandy. Jennifer, you are incredibly nice to invite me onto the show. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you this morning. And I thank you so much for this lovely invitation. One thing that really stood out to me during the interview with Sandy was our discussion on how charging customers or clients for services actually makes them more likely to follow the recommendations, suggestions, or advice that you're providing as a service provider. This is something that that we have touched on before in the Go Find Out podcast, but I do think it bears repeating, especially since a lot of women who provide some sort of service tend to, to really struggle when it's time to actually start charging clients for those services. When you put a price tag on your services, you're letting clients know that those services will add value to their lives or will help them in some way. And, you know, sure, there are some people who will always want things for free, right? I get resume requests all the time and people expect them to be free, but most of the time, those folks won't actually follow the directions or guidance of those free services. I've mentioned before, you know, I used to write resumes for free for an organization and a lot of my clients would take the resume that I created for them and they would totally change it back to what they had before that was not working. And it was because it was free, right? The moment that I actually started charging in my own business for the same kind of resume services, my clients would actually listen because they had committed by spending money on that resume and they would keep the resume the way that I made it and they would then get interviews. But those clients who paid knew that they were getting something valuable, mostly because they paid for it, right? Sometimes it actually takes that act of dropping money on a service to make most clients commit to either seeing your service or your product as something that's valuable or to implementing the recommendations that you have suggested to them. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, It's a little bit shorter this time, but mostly because there's a scary bug in my recording studio. It's called an assassin bug and I don't like it. Um, So... I'm going to wrap this up a little sooner than normal, <laughs> but I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show. Join me next week when I interview the Scottish Pet Bereavement Counselor, Wendy Andrew, about her journey of starting to provide grief or bereavement counseling services to pet owners who have lost a beloved pet. Until then, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own go find out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at gfopodcast or follow me on Instagram at gofindoutpodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out. <laughs>